0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, dot com Slash Film Daily.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. And a very happy 45th anniversary to Star Wars, as Star Wars A New Hope originally hit theaters on this day. So, on the May 25th, 2022 episode of Slash Film Daily, uh, we will be giving you uh, a little bit of Star Wars goods. I'm Ryan Scott, a news writer here at Slash Film. And what we're going to do today is uh, I recently had the good fortune of attending a press conference uh, for the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series that is going to hit Disney Plus later this week. Now, uh, we ran some stories on the site, you know, from the press conference, but what we're going to do today is uh, we're going to give you the uh, the full experience. We're going to let you hear the audio of that press conference, uh, which includes Ewan McGregor, who returns as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Deborah Chow, who directs the series, and Moses Ingram, who plays one of the new characters, Reva, who is an Inquisitor. Uh, now, the only caveat I have to give here is that the audio is not perfect. Uh, it's, you know, it's a little rough. You can hear everyone clearly, but there's a little bit of static interference in the audio file. So be warned about that. But other than that, you're going to get to enjoy this press conference from top to bottom. Uh, so here we are, guys. Enjoy the Obi-Wan Kenobi press conference.
2: Uh, My name is Devin Cogan. I'm a senior writer at Entertainment Weekly, and I am so excited to be here with some of the cast and the director of the show. Um, I am joined uh, by executive producer and director Deborah Chow, uh, Moses Ingram, who plays Riva, and executive producer and Obi Wan himself, Ewan McGregor. Thank you guys so much for joining me.
3: Thank you for having us.
2: Um, So I'm going to get the conversation started. um, And for those of you guys at home, uh, you can submit your questions uh, via the Q&A function of Zoom, um, and we'll get to those uh, in about 15, 20 minutes. Um, but you and I'd love to start with you. I know you have talked for years about you know wanting to return to this galaxy. What was it about this show and this story specifically that, that really excited you?
3: Well, it was a very long, slow process of coming back to playing him, I guess. It was, it was uh, born out of two things, I think. A, I was just asked a lot. Uh, at the end of every interview I ever did, for years, I was asked two things. Would I do this sequel to Spotting*, and would I ever play Obi-Wan Kenobi again? It was the, always the last two questions as the publicist is poking her head around the door saying that's the last question. And so I just started answering it, honestly, and, and I think I became more aware of the fondness that, that the generation that we made the prequels for have for those films. Because when we made them, we didn't hear that that. We didn't get that response, really. So gradually, I started realizing that people really liked them and that they meant a lot to that generation. So that made me, that warmed my feelings about them, I guess, or my experience of being in the Star Wars um, world. And then Disney just asked me to come in one day to a, for a meeting because they kept seeing on social media that I was saying that I would, play, I would like to play Obi-Wan Kenobi again. It looked like I was sort of touting for work. At Disney's door, like you know, could you cast me? But anyway, they got me in and asked me if I meant it, and um, I said, "Yeah, just." I said I would love to play him again. I think there's got to be a good story between Episode Three and Episode Four, and that's what we that's what we definitely found. You know, after a, a, a lot a lengthy process um, of exploring some different storylines, I think we've ended up a really, really a brilliant story and um, one that will satisfy the fans sitting between those two episodes.
2: Absolutely. And, and Deborah, you're obviously no stranger to the Star Wars universe, you know, working on The Mandalorian. What was it about Obi-Wan Kenobi specifically, this character in this story that, that really excited you?
4: Um, I was really excited at the idea of getting to do a limited series for one, uh, just because you get to tell sort of a bigger story, but you also have the time um, to really get into the character. So I think first and foremost, I was the most excited about doing a character-driven story and really kind of having the opportunity to get more depth and have more time to really get to know the character.
2: Yeah, and Moses, uh, what about you? You're, you're new to this galaxy. What was it that excited you most about, about joining the story?
5: I think um, it came to me just like everything else does, but I didn't know that it would be Star Wars. And I think when I read the script, that was the thing that attracted me the most, even though it was like dummy sides. But later on, realizing that it was edgy and fun and cool and that just, you know, I couldn't say no. I mean it's Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, so what was your reaction when you found out that, oh, this is this is Star Wars? Um, surprised. I was surprised. I mean, from what I knew of Star Wars, I didn't I didn't realize it was that um, dangerous. It felt dangerous what I was reading, and I was like, "Oh, I like this. I'm into this. Yeah." So I was I was really excited.
2: Absolutely. And you know, this story takes place about ten years after Revenge of the Sith. Um, this is sort of a, a different Obi Wan than we've seen before. Ewan, uh, what makes this version sort of different than than the the screen adaptations we've seen before?
3: I think because of what happens at the end of Episode Three, um, Revenge of the Sith. That's what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, at, at the end of uh, the third episode you know the Jedi Order are all but destroyed and those who aren't killed have gone into hiding and they can't communicate with one another so we, for 10 years or if it's been 10 years, for 10 years Obi-Wan has been in hiding, he can't communicate with any of his old uh, comrades and um, he's living a pretty solitary life, he's not able to use the force so in a way he's lost his faith it's like somebody who's stepped away from their religion or something if you like and um his only the only um responsibility to his past life is um looking over luke skywalker who he's delivered to we see at the end of episode three to um uncle owen and aunt beru so that's that's his only sort of link to his past so it was just interesting to take a character that we know and love from alec guinness's creation of the character in the 70s this wise, sage-like, spiritual man, and then the work that I did in episode one to three from the Padawan, from the student to the Jedi, um, to somebody who's sitting on the Jedi Council, you know, to take that Obi-Wan and take him to this more sort of broken place was really interesting to do.
2: Yeah, I'd imagine that would be sort of a fun challenge for you to sort of, you know, play different versions of this character at different points in his life.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and and it just being closer to Alec Guinness, I guess in age, was interesting, and also just the the Alec Guinness's Obi Wan. You know, when we find him, is a solitary figure. He's living in the desert alone, and so I suppose I'm the my Obi Wan now is just a bit closer to his, Uh, yeah
2: that makes sense um and one of the exciting other things about this story is that we uh you're not the only person returning we also have hayden christensen back as both anakin and and darth vader uh deborah what was it about i know you've talked more uh before about how much you love that relationship between the two of them what was it that that most intrigued you about you know having these two characters together again
3: um
2: i think
4: you know when we started develop when we were developing the material and we were really looking at the character of obi-wan and looking and going. You know what was important in his life what are the relationships that were meaningful and obviously the history coming out of revenge of the sith is so strong and it's so powerful um that it really felt like for us that you know obviously there'd be so much weight coming into the story that was connected to anakin vader um so i think it just felt natural obviously there would be hayden
2: um and that you know we would continue this relationship in the series that makes total sense. And you, and what was that like for you to to be back with Hayden on set?
3: Oh, great. We, I mean, we just were so close when we made the first... We made episode two and three together, and we made them in Australia. So we were both away from home, and we had so much time uh, training for the fights together and then being on set together. But also because we were so far from home, we spent a lot of time outside of work together as well. And so we were close. And then over the years, I guess, we just had slightly lost touch. I hadn't seen Hayden for years, so when um when i saw him again was able to talk about this project with him it was very it was very very exciting it was great and when we were acting together it was really like a like some sort of time warp like really like this looking across at him on set was like the last 17 years didn't happen at all you know it was really peculiar
2: that's so cool it's like oh yeah it's no time has passed at all we're we're still doing this um, that's so fun, and and Moses, uh, tell us a little bit about Riva. You know, she's this sort of mysterious dark side character. She's an inquisitor. What was it about her that that most excited you?
5: Um, she's really smart, and she plays the offense, and she's always ten steps ahead. You know, she is a subordinate of Darth Vader, and she's going to do everything she can to get the job done to the best of her ability, and. Um, I think I was most intrigued by just her fervor for what, for what she does.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Was it, uh, tell me a little bit about sort of, you know, uh, tapping into that dark side, you know, she, she's sort of part of this, um, you know, she's got all these different, um, she's one of the several Inquisitors that we meet. What was it like to sort of, you know, join that, join the dark side?
5: It's really fun. It's fun to be bad. <laughs> it's fun to be bad. And also, I feel like, you know, the weaponry and the stunt work, um, once you get to a point where your your body is confident doing the moves, you know, that plays into it as well as the costumes. You know, Sudorad did such an amazing job, our costume designer, at, like building something that when you step into it, it lends itself to a feeling, you know what I mean? And so... I was just, I was happy to be there. I was really happy to be there.
2: Yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit about the lightsaber training and some of the stunt training you got to do. What was it like to, to throw yourself into, into that world?
5: Um, It was cool. We trained for about four months before we ever even got to set Um, the everyday regular strength and cardio and then three days a week of Jedi school on top of that, which at the beginning was a little intimidating because I come in and we're doing lightsaber work. And of course, he's been doing this for years. So he's like flipping it and wielding it. And I'm like, God, I'm never going to get it. I look terrible. But, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again.
3: It was fun. We we, we started like uh, really like months before the shoot together in the in the fight gym, and that was great. It was a nice way to get to know each other.
5: It was actually it
1: was.
2: Yeah, it's a good way to get to know each other by 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 fighting.
1: You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Ewan, did you have did you get any tips from from Ewan? You know, because you you are an expert with a lightsaber.
3: No, we we were under the great um, JoJo. Our fight coordinator is is really an, an amazing um, thoughtful man, and he'd taken. The fights that we did in the original three f- films and he sort of studied them with his with his crew his stunt crew and developed them so it's very thoughtful it's not just random like he's really a thinking fight arranger which was cool to work on and um our fight styles are very different anyway in the piece and uh um as they as they should be you know so i was over on one side doing my choreography and you were on the other side doing yours, and we sort of try not to clash into each other as we sort of passed each other. It was fun, though.
2: That's awesome. Um, and you and you talked a little bit about, you know, um, one of the things I've loved seeing is how the affection and the fondness for the prequels has really grown over the years. What's that been like for you? You know, to to how what was it like to you know sort of revisit you know the, those films while while making this story?
3: Yeah, it means a lot. It means a lot, actually. Um, because it because it was one of the difficult things about the being in the prequels was that they were you know when they came out they were not it didn't seemingly well received because there was no social media there was no sort of direct avenue of, to the fans at the time and also the fans were kids you know we made those films for when i was when the first film came out the new hope i must have i was born in 71 so i think i was 6 or 7 when it came out and um i'll never forget that feeling and and how my relationship with Star Wars all those original first three films i i, remember, I mean that's one of the crazy things about being in Star Wars now at all is that I, that i'm in it you know having been that little kid you know and so when once once those kids who were my age when the prequels came out grew up a bit and I was able to meet them and I started hearing that people really liked them and have a you know, they couldn't understand why I thought that they weren't liked when they came out, you know. It meant a lot to me, so it's really helped, it's really I'm sure it's one of the reasons we're all sit, you know, why I wanted to, to do this again was because of that. It's nice to, the, the Star Wars fans are amazingly passionate and there's probably some of the sort of strongest fans in the world, you know, for anything. And so to to be able to give them something like this, to make a uh, series, the Obi Wan series, which it seems that there's been a hunger for for some long time, and to be able to like give that to them now next week is really exciting. Yeah. Jesus. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you guys feeling now that the show is is almost here? It, it comes out next Today, week. isn't it? it uh,
3: no. Isn't it next Thursday, or next Friday? Yeah, next
2: Friday. But how are you guys feeling about? Is, is that? I mean, how that must be crazy. You've been working on this for such a long time. Ah, uh, yeah. It's it's intense. You know, I've been
4: working on this for. Like almost three years, so it's it's been a pretty long journey with this. Um, but on another, on the other hand, it's like I'm very excited actually to finally have it come out and to be able to talk about it. So uh, it's it's exciting that it's finally coming out.
2: Absolutely. And Deborah, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the technology that, that goes into this. I know you guys use that, that stagecraft, the volume technology that, that's been used on um, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. How did you, you know, what was it like to sort of use that technology to, you know, bring Tatooine to life and some of the other locations that, that you guys get to visit?
4: Um, yeah obviously i started using that technology stagecraft on mandalorian so i was actually incredibly excited to be able to use it on kenobi as well um i think one of the interesting things is you know in first season mandalorian a lot of the tech you know it's advanced so much so every passing year there's advances so by the time we Came to do Kenobi. You know, it had already there were things that we could do that we couldn't do on first season. Um, but it was also really exciting to be able to design and to develop material, knowing that I was going to shoot stagecraft. So a lot of times I'd be looking at the scene even as we were writing it, thinking about how is this going to translate into the volume and how can how can we take advantage of the tech as best as possible.
2: That makes total sense and and moses i'm curious for you was there anything that um surprised you about about joining you know this this galaxy or anything that you weren't expecting
5: I mean, I think this whole experience has far exceeded my expectations of what it might have been. I so enjoyed like just going to work every day. I feel like we had such a great working atmosphere and there were so many lifelong Star Wars fans who were like living their dreams by working on this series. And it's really nice to be a fly on the wall you know, for other people's experiences of the thing as well. And um, it's 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 by far exceeded my expectations in the most beautiful way.
2: So when you guys think back to filming, was there like a particular day on set or like a scene that you guys shot that, that's particularly memorable for you guys?
3: It's impossible to pick them out, really, because they were all, you know, it was so vivid, all of it. I mean, I'd never worked on the Stagecraft set before, and I, I just is such a game changer for us. The experience of the first three, especially episode two and three, there's so much blue screen and green screen, and it's just hard. It's very hard to make something believable when there's nothing there, you know. And um, here we were in this amazing uh, set where, you know, if you're shooting in the desert, everywhere you look is the desert. And if you're flying through space, then you know the stars are flying past you as you as you as you scud along. It's so cool. Um, so I couldn't pick one out really. I mean, the the fight scenes are always something extra when you're doing something like this because they just require such a lot of preparation and there's a sort of real nervousness about when you walk on on set to to do a fight that you've been learning and training for for months there's a sort of real your stomach gets really nervous you know because you want to do it the best you can and sometimes you're shooting them for day to you know 2 3 days in a row and it requires an enormous amount of of sort of stamina which is also why getting fit beforehand was really important because so so we could sort of maintain that but yeah
2: did you guys find yourself making you know the lightsaber noises while you were while you were rehearsing or or fighting
5: everyone knows that
2: you do it now
3: i know it's impossible not to and if you're not making them you're you're doing it in your head i think
4: But oh, we did play a lot of music when we did the action scenes. So the, re- the of rest of us parts. didn't know if you guys were doing them. So, yeah. What kind of music would you play? Uh, John Williams. Yeah.
5: And it was sick, too, because we'd be, like, stepping off the ship or, like, you know, doing something else. in the musical swell, and you just, like feel like you're 10 feet tall. You know, it's very, very cool.
4: So, yeah, that was a, a the big reason we did it. Because there's, you know, the music, obviously, it brings the emotional component. And what John Williams has done has been so inextricably tied. It is Star Wars. So, you know, if we put it on, all of a sudden I see Moses go like two <laughs> inches taller. And, you know, they, everybody responds to it.
2: Absolutely. So we're going to get into um, some journalist questions, um, and I, I, our first one is from Josh Wilding uh, from Comic Book Movie, and this is for Ewan. Um, and this is sort of what we were talking about. Did your old lightsaber training um, come back to you quite quickly? Um, and either way, how did preparing for this series compare to preparing for the prequels?
3: Yeah, it, uh, we did a lot of lightsaber drills with Jojo and his team, and. Um... Yeah, it was something that you have to work on it's not it's not it's not like there right away there's two things i think i had to work on with that um and the and his and his voice like i we did a casting deb and i did a casting with some for two roles in the series that we wanted so we we did sort of screen tests with different actors for those roles and um that was the first thing i'd did as Obi-Wan again since, you know, 2003. So I arrived, we borrowed a bit of the Mandalorian stage on a Sunday when they were off and some of their crew, and um, I, walk, I walked into the dressing room and there was a, a sort of Obi-Wan-ish costume hanging up in the wardrobe that the, the Mandalorian's wardrobe department had put together. And putting that on was just really crazy after all that time. But then And then walking out onto the set was crazy because there's so many Star Wars fans in this in the crew like um which which was a new experience for me so there was a sort of buzz about Obi-Wan walking back on stage you know but then when we came to do the the actual scenes with these um other actors I was t- <laughs> my I just did, I was in sort of vague English accent and it was not wasn't really Obi-Wan's voice at all and I was like oh dear it's not <laughs> that's not very good so You know, luckily we had months before we actually started shooting, so I went back and did some homework with Alec Guinness and what I'd done before in the original films. But those, I think, were the two things. Playing him felt totally like he'd always been there, ready to come out any minute, but just his voice needed a bit of work.
2: Just just to, you know, get it back into practice. It's a skill, a muscle.
3: It is, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Absolutely. Um, Our next question is from Javier Martinez Salazar from Peru, um, and this is for Moses. Uh, The Inquisitors became popular in Star Wars Rebels, and now they're making the jump to live action. On your part, how was it to create the essence look and
5: bearing of Inquisitor Riva? I actually, uh, big credit to you for welcoming me in and caring about you know, my thoughts in terms of who Reva might be. Um, and so, you know, the costume was already made. Um, hair in particular, her hair was different in the initial envisioning of the character. Um, and it was just something that my hair didn't do naturally, but that was so great about, you know, hearing me out on that and, you know, that's how we ended up with the braids, you know. It was really important for me to do what what my my hair does and um yeah. Also I'm sorry, my brain is kind of fried, so I miss <laughs> I miss part of the question. I miss part of the question, but I hope that did it. Yeah,
2: I would I would say <laughs> so. I think you answered it. But I know that was something you've talked about is you know, wanting to, you know, specifically, you know, for with for little girls who would want to be able to dress up as these characters to have, you know, like the hair was something that was really important to you. I know you talked about that.
5: Yeah, the hair was the hair was a big deal. And another thing that I just thought of too, like I remember like growing up and watching, you know, certain things and with my brothers and be like, you're not strong enough. Like it's it's for boys, you know what I mean? Um, but I think what's cool about this is like you can fight like a girl and still like you know be badass, which is which is pretty cool.
2: Absolutely. Um, Our next question is from Francisco Cangiano from Cine Express, um, and this is for Deborah. Obviously, the series is set inside a specific Star Wars timeline. Uh, Can you talk about the challenge of telling a story between these lines, and also how fun was it to get to fill in the blanks at the same time?
4: Um, Yeah, I would say that was definitely one of the biggest challenges with this series, is that obviously we have these huge legacy iconic characters um, and we're in between two trilogies. Um, so in large part, you know, we're, we're telling the second act of a story, which is often challenging enough. Um, so I think, you know, the biggest thing we were looking is to respect the canon and respect what's been done, but we also needed to have an original story and, you know, have an original vision for it. Um, so, you know, I think that was the biggest challenge, but at the same time, it was very exciting um, that we were bringing back two of these huge, iconic characters and telling a new story with them.
2: Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about this story is it's it's a sequel and a prequel at the same time. It sort of slides into that in-between bit. Absolutely. Um, our next question is from Megan Darwish uh, from TV Insider. Uh, for Moses, you called the script dangerous and edgy. In what ways is Reva bringing that to the story?
5: You know, I don't even know if it's, like, just Reva, but I think the thing is a whole, and it's hard because you can't say exactly what's happening, but the the cat and mouse of it all and so many moving parts in it and the the places that we are and the people that are involved it just i really wish i could say more to you about what was happening but yeah like even even the text it just it just felt very um sort of like muddy in a way that i really enjoyed
2: yeah yeah, Deborah, how did you want to sort of figure out the right right tone for this story? What were some of your, your goalposts or, or things that you were thinking about?
4: Um, yeah, the tone, you know, it's, we're obviously, we're starting in a pretty dark time period. And that was kind of quite interesting, not only to start with Obi-Wan's character in kind of a dark place, but also starting in a period um, in the timeline that's quite dark. Um, so it kind of actually gave us a very interesting starting place for the series. Um, but I think, you know, with the character of Kenobi, it's, you know, for me, he's always felt like it's, there's so much warmth, there's so much compassion, humor, um, that it is ca- kind of a character of light and hope. Um, that it was an interesting for us to try to keep the balance of that, of the darkness, but also still
2: maintaining the hope coming from the character. Because he can be quite funny, Obi Wan. He 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 makes quite a few few quips.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, it all comes from Alec. You know, Alec Guinness had this wit behind his eyes all the time. He had a twinkle, I think, in his eyes, and I. That- that's that's I guess in the writing, but also just for me, I I always try and think of him and and try to feel him sort of somewhere, like uh, hear him saying the lines, and that's why I think the writing was so so good in this because right from the word go, all of his dialogue felt to me like it could have been an Alec Guinness saying it, you know, and that, that, that then I knew we were on the right path, at least with him, you know, and this and yeah, I think he is. He's got a, he's got a wit to him. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, for next question we have Rachel Harper from Sci-Fi Now. Um, and for you and how does working on a Star Wars TV show compare to making a Star Wars film?
3: Just felt like the se- I mean the technology is so different from when we made the original movies that it felt like a different experience anyway. And um, but I don't think it was because it was a TV show. The, the, the beauty of it being a series is that we've got longer to tell the story. But because Deb directed them all and it's her singular vision throughout, it did did feel like we were just making one movie. And um, the episodic nature of our series falls really cleverly in the storyline, but it is one driving narrative. I think The Mandalorian feels more episodic, if you like, because it suits that storytelling. And and it, of course, has a a driving storyline through each season, but ours is like a movie that just happens to be split up into these episodes. That's how I feel about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, because you think about the the original prequels, I mean, and those were some of the first films to really rely heavily on blue screen and green screen, and so for you to be able to do that and then come to this where you've got these big, you know, screens and, and the crazy technology, I imagine that would be, you know, something that would take some getting used to.
3: Episode two was the first... I don't know if it was the first movie that was shot on digital, but it was my first experience of shooting on digital cameras, and now... You know, it was so rare to shoot on film, sadly really. But um those were those cameras were like dinosaurs. They were they were cutting edge technology, but compared to what we shoot on now, you know, they had huge umbilical cords coming out the back of the cameras. They couldn't change the lenses. they could change the lenses, but it would take like half an hour. So everything was just shot on a zoom lens. They made a they made a The the, the umbilical, the two digital cameras on two techno cranes, literally, they just moved the cranes and they zoomed in and out. And we, that was a, that was the new setup. And the noise, the, the, the the umbilicals led to this big tent in the corner of the stage that literally hummed. It was so noisy. Uh, And and when in post-production, they realized at the end that the noise they made was, it was exactly in the um, frequency of the human voice. So we had to, we had to ADR every single line of episode two. None of the di- none of the original dialogue made it through because of that because the cameras were so, like new, you know, and none of that none of the bugs had been worked out yet. So, um, t- compared to what we're doing now, it's like night and day, really.
2: I would imagine that would be def- definitely a shift from from what it used to, from what it used.
3: To. Yeah, and that's but that's you know, George was like pioneering that technology. He was pioneering, sound and uh, image, and he was pioneering the cameras and the visual effects and So of course he was wanting to utilize it as much as he could. So, but for us, it meant that more and more we were on a blue screen or a green screen. And that was, that's that's challenging for the actors for sure.
4: Absolutely. Um, But one thing that was cool with the technology is that actually a lot of the stuff you guys did in the prequels and that George was doing by pushing digital so early is so much of that groundwork is how we got to stagecraft. You know, like a lot of the tools he started developing like previs, all that stuff is how we ended up on stagecraft. So it's really interesting.
2: That is such a cool um, evolution to see how it's grown like that. Absolutely. Um, uh, for another question, we have Jocelyn Buhlman from D23 Magazine, and this is for Deborah. Uh, what were you most excited to explore in Obi-Wan's story?
4: Um, I think I was the most excited about getting the opportunity to do a character-driven story, you know, in a similar way, you know, obviously a different tone, but something like um, Joker or Logan, where, you know, you take one character out of a big franchise, but and then you really have the time and you, you go a lot deeper with the character. So that, to me, seemed really exciting to get to do in Star Wars.
2: That makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and a question from Alexander Navarro from Movie Web, and this is for everyone. Uh, what is your personal favorite Star Wars movie or series?
3: I can't get I, I, my favorite is A New Hope, just because it's the one I it, it, it's the one that changed my life, I suppose, in many ways. But, you know, as a as a kid watching that movie and. Um when I when I hear the word Star Wars I always think of like C three PO and R two D two going through the desert through the sand. I don't know that's the first image. So mine would be a new hope.
5: I'm gonna cheat, and I'm gonna say Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh <laughs> uh, because it's attached to now so many moments and memories in my life similar to a new hope for you. And so yeah, I feel like that would be my perfect answer. <laughs> Um, No, it's hard not to say Obi-Wan after (laughs) Moses, but
4: um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I've had to obviously go back over so many of them between the two shows. So I have such an appreciation in different ways for all of them. Um, But I'd say like one of the ones I think is really interesting visually is Rogue One. Um, And I was really looking a lot at like the atmospheric sense in that and a lot of the visuals in that, which was, you know, pretty awesome.
2: Absolutely. All right, great. Well, I think that's our time. Uh, But thank you all so much for your questions. And thank you guys so much for
3: joining me.
1: You can find more about all the stories we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com, and we will have the stories linked in the show notes. uh, You can subscribe to SlashFilm Daily on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, and all the popular podcast apps. Send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. Please leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Please rate and review this podcast on Apple Apple Podcasts, tell your friends, and spread the word.